Hey, welcome everybody to the Zoe Church Podcast. We are so excited that you've joined us today. You are going to hear an amazing message by a dear friend of our house, Pastor Tim Timberlake is in the house with us today. Hey, make sure that you subscribe, leave a comment. If you're being blessed and encouraged by the ministry of Zoe Church, we'd love for you to give us some feedback and let us know that God is doing great things in your life. We love you. We're praying for you, and we are here to serve you. But let's go right now to the Million Dollar Theater and hear from our friend, Pastor Tim Timberlake. Let's go. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24. It says, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes or conies are creatures of little power. They're feeble, yet they make their home in the crags or the cracks of rocks. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks, and a lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in a king's palace. I know you read that scripture and you say, what the heck is he talking about? We're going to explain it and break it down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity at us conference to come, God, and dwell in your presence and glean from your wisdom, experience your power. And Lord, we ask that we would be changed from this encounter and experience that we have with you. And God, we promise to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. All those that agree, shout amen and amen. You can take your seats. I want to share with you for a moment from the subject matter, four little things. Four little things. So I was reading this passage of scripture flying here this morning. It stuck out to me the four things that God desires for us to take notice of. And I began to think and ponder why in the world that God used these things instead of what we know to be reflections of God. I'm a huge National Geographic Discovery Channel Animal Planet guy. I mean, when you watch how they describe animals, it's almost like you're listening to a hybrid between Morgan Freeman and the voice of God. (laughs) Have you ever paid attention to how they describe lions? They they give the lions a name. They, They give you all this detail and information about the lion's life. And you ever ask yourself, how do they know so much about this lion? How do they know this lion's name is David? And the narrator comes on with this accent and deep voice. We see David (laughs) slouch down behind the bush. He's ready to pounce on the gazelle. Right before he does, he takes a second look to make sure no one else is around. And before you know it, you're leaning into the TV on your couch. And you're like, David, you better not eat that gazelle. And I sit here and I watch this and I'm like, how do they know so much about David's life? They know his mom. They know his dad. His dad's name was Roger. 
Mother's name was Lucille. David runs in a pack of a tribe of lions called the tribe of Benjamin. And I'm sitting here like, how does the narrator know so much about this lion? Is he making this stuff up? Is he getting this stuff from a book? Where is he getting all this detailed information about David from? And when we read this passage of scripture, we, we would think God would use an analogy about a lion because the lion is the king of the jungle. If I was to ask you right now, who is Simba? You could tell me in great detail who he is and what movie he came from, who his father was, who his girl was that eventually became his lion wife. But we know him to be the king of the jungle. We, we can associate this with God because God is king of kings and lord of lords and he rules and he reigns and he's the alpha and the omega. He finishes stuff before he starts it. If we were to ever associate an animal with God, surely we could associate him with the lion. If not the lion, then we, we could assume that it would be an eagle. Right? I was in Alaska and I happened to see a shadow on the ground, and I thought that it was a pterodactyl. It freaked me out. The shadow was so big, I thought it was a helicopter trying to land. And I look up, it is a bald eagle with a 14-foot wingspan. And his talents, which they call bird hands, are as big as mine. The nest of a bald eagle is the size of the back of a flatbed pickup truck. All those stats are impressive, but none are more impressive than the eagle's vision. Scientists believe that an eagle can see two miles beneath water. If ever there was an animal, if not the lion, that we could associate with God, we could associate it with the eagle because the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro. He sees all things, even the things that we think he does not see, even the things that we keep beneath the surface, God sees. And if we can associate God's goodness with the lion, surely we can find in scripture that he is associated with the eagle, but it doesn't say that he is an eagle. So if he's not a lion, if he's not an eagle, what about an elephant? Elephants is big. When they walk into the jungle, they knock stuff down. They, they know how to throw their weight around. God knows how to throw his weight around. And people often say, you know, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. There's nothing gentle about the Holy Spirit. How many of you came in here wanting to cry today? You, you planned on it. You bought tissues to cry. No, you just be in service and you feel something like, wow, what is that? Hair is standing up on the back of my head. Wow, my face is getting wet now. I am crying. The Holy Spirit didn't ask you, do you want to cry today? There's nothing gentle about the Holy Spirit. God throws his weight around. If ever there was an animal that we could attribute and associate with God, if it's not the lion, if it's not the eagle, surely it could be the elephant, but we don't read about the elephant in Proverbs. It's not a lion, if it's not an eagle, if it's not an elephant. What about the grizzly bear? Right? How many of you have ever seen a Kodiak grizzly bear before? 
I was in Alaska. They asked me, do you want to hike? I said, look at me. Look at me. Do you see any of the brothers out here hiking in the woods? There are bears out here that are 14 feet. A Kodiak grizzly bear's paw is 24 inches. I don't want to be in the woods with anything that got a hand bigger than a rim. 24, listen, one of these, you gone. You right beside Jesus. You looking at Jesus like, how did I get here? What? I had more life left. He said, you went hiking. You went hiking. Where does it say in the Bible to go hiking? Why in the world would people put a backpack on, walk around the woods with two sticks to see nature? I can turn on the TV and look at nature. I got no desire to be in the woods with creatures that are 14 feet tall, 24 inch hands to go see nature. If ever there was a time we could associate God and it wasn't the lioness, it's not the eagle and it's not the elephant, surely it could be the grizzly bear because the hand of the Lord reaches, has power. It's bigger than we could ever think or, of or imagine. But Proverbs doesn't mention any of those. It mentions an ant. It mentions a coney. What the heck is a coney? <laughs> it mentions a locust and it mentions a lizard. But this is what it says. It says, these four little things are wise. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The quality of the wisdom you get determines, of the, determines the quality of the decisions you make. The quality of the wisdom that you get determines the quality of the decisions you make. Listen to me. Your destiny, your future is moving towards you at the speed of your decisions. If scripture is telling us we need to pay attention to these four little things, then we need to pay attention to these four little things. What I have found is that what is easy to do is also easy not to do. The first thing that it tells us to look at, it says, look at the wisdom of the ant. It said, the ant prepares in the winter for the summer. The first thing I want you to write down is this. What we can glean from the ant is preparation. You have to be busy preparing now for the season you are anticipating to go into. You can't get ready when it's time to be ready. You have to be ready when it's time for you to be ready. This is a season that God is preparing and making you and enlarging your territory for the season of life that you're going into. Have you ever seen an ant before? Have you ever seen it grab something that was bigger than it was and it takes it to a destination that you kind of figure out where in the world is this ant going with this piece of bread? And it goes into this hole and it pulls something that's bigger than itself into a hole that it can't 
fit in. But what is the ant doing? The ant is preparing for a season that it has not yet entered into. And I wonder, am I talking to anybody at us conference that has their mind made up? I'm willing to prepare in this season for the next season of life God is ushering me into. I don't care how I look. I don't care how I sound. I don't care what people think about me. I'm in preparation mode. And as long as I'm preparing, it's proof that I'm expecting something. See, there is no such thing as expectation without preparation. In order for you to tell God, I am expecting something, you got to start preparing something. See, when me and my wife found out that we were pregnant, the first thing we started to do was prepare because we were expecting. So we got a whole room set for our son. We started to buy stuff. We started to look at stuff. We started to put together registries. We started to do all this crazy stuff before people could see what it was we were expecting. And I'm telling you, in order for you to walk from the season you're in right now into the season that God is pulling you into, when no one else can tell what's going on in your life, you got to start preparing for where it is that God is taking you. Preparation. It's proof of expectation. The only way I can tell if I am expecting God to actually do what it is he said he could do is if I start preparing for it. We got enough people hearing and not preparing. The ant don't care who's looking at him. He's too busy preparing. The ant always goes after things that's bigger than itself. And if you haven't noticed, this is a season for you to go after things that's bigger than you. Because in this season, I am a firm believer that God will meet you at your point of expectation by what you prepare. See, if you bring it to God, God says, not only will I feel it, but I'll do abundantly and exceedingly more than you could ever think or of imagine. And I wonder, am I talking to anybody this morning at us conference on a Saturday that says, God, whatever I have, I'm going to bring it because I believe you can feel it. Not only will you feel it, but you will supersede my expectations. And here's the reality. If God meets your expectations, he can't exceed them. So what he desires to do is blow your expectations out of the water, but you got to prepare for what it is that God has desired for you to walk into. The ant is so busy preparing that it doesn't matter who's looking at him. Let me point this out to you. The ant isn't even looking around to see who's helping him. How often have we missed an opportunity to make necessary preparations because we thought somebody else was going to help us. How often have we missed opportunities because we waited for someone else to open the door for us? How often have we missed what it was that God wanted for us because we waited for someone else to tell us to go? Well, if you needed a sign to go, this is your sign to go. I came to tell you this is your season if you prepare for it to be your season. And I'm telling you what God has for you is for you if you can prepare for it. got to be so busy preparing that it doesn't matter what other people think. 
God did not make you to copy someone. God made you to become someone. And if you're not spending your time in this season becoming, then you're spending your time copying. And let me help you with this thought. God will not bless who you pretend to be. He will only bless who he made you to be. So if you can stop looking to your right and stop looking to your left and look to the hills from which come of your help, I'm telling you, God will show you what it is that you're supposed to be preparing. He says, look at the ant. Look at what the ant is doing. Look, look at how the ant moves. The ant moves with this confidence that I will be alive in the next season. So I'm preparing in this season for what I'm expecting in my next. And I wonder, am I talking to anybody that has foresight? Foresight is the ability to see more before. I know what you see right now. I, I know it doesn't look like much right now. I, I know you're in this season of unknown, and in this season of uncertainty, but do you have foresight to see more before? The ant has this mentality that no matter what happens to me, I am going to prepare for my next. So the Bible tells us, look at the wisdom of the ant, because the ant makes preparation. In this season, you have to make preparation. The next animal the Bible tells us to look at in Proverbs, it tells us to look at a very peculiar creature called the coney. The coney is like uh, a guinea pig with weaker legs. And it says that the coney fixes himself in the crack of a rock. The coney fixes himself in the crack of a rock because he knows within his own power he has no defense mechanism. So I have to posture myself to defend myself. So the wisdom of the coney teaches us to posture ourselves. So the ant teaches us to prepare. The coney teaches us to posture. Let me help you out with this. The problems that you are facing, the problems that you are in, the tests that you are taking, the trials and the tribulations that you are going through are not after you. They are after your posture. Because if the enemy can get you to compromise your posture, he can delay what it is that God desires for you to walk into. But you have to have your mind made up that no matter what I see, it won't compromise my posture. No matter what I hear, it won't compromise my posture because my posture is my defense against the attack of the enemy. See, when you're postured right, you know where your strength lies. See, the thing about this coney is it says that it wedges itself in the rock. It positions itself, it postures itself in the rock. And when you have the right posture, you have the right projection. The only way that the coney can survive is because it knows that when it's surrounded by something that's more stable than it is, and it leans on that, then it can withstand the attacks of any adversary. 
See, our posture should be one of worship. What worship is simply me acknowledging that there is someone higher than me. So I give back to them what it is that they've given me. That's why worship is the only thing God can't do. He created the heavens and the earth. He separated land from sea. He, he made all the animals. He, he made us as human beings. But worship is the one thing that God can't do. You ever think about that? Because in order for God to worship, he must acknowledge that there's something or someone higher than him. And there is nothing higher than our God. So he created us to worship him. And if we don't do what we've been created to do, we have this void in our heart that we search to fill with all these other things that we don't find security in, that we don't find fulfillment in, that we don't find happiness and joy in, and we spend all of our life trying to plug this hole that God has made in us to give back to him. When I worship, it refocuses me. When I worship, it resets me. When, when I worship, it takes me back to default. Whenever I am in this position where I've put on all these applications and I put on all these anxieties and frustrations and worries and fear, worship always sets me back to default. What's default? Default is who I was before I got in this body. Default is who God created me to be. Default is who it is he, that he's calling me into. And if I can get out of my mouth even a hallelujah and an amen, then he defaults me back to who he made me to be. How do you sound? I'm not talking about your tone. I'm not talking about your voice texture. I'm not talking about the volume in which you sing. How do you sound? When you open up your mouth, do you sound like God or do you sound like the enemy? How do you sound? Have you become an echo of the world or have you become an echo of God? How do you sound? And then when you're postured right and when you're leaning and depending on the rock, uh, on the rock you become an echo of what God says. That's why you should hear your voice second in the morning and hear his first. And your voice should only be an echo of who it is that he's called you to be. So when you get up in the morning... You shouldn't say anything first. You should just spend time listening so you can hear who you are in Christ Jesus. That helps your posture. And when you're postured right, it helps to propel you right. The ant prepares. The coney postures. The locust, point number three. It's a strange one. But it says... The locust rose with a crew. The locust is surrounded by community. The locust understands alone I can accomplish very few things, but together we can tear some stuff up. You need to find you a crew that you can roll with, that will hold you accountable to the call of God on your life. So when you're weak, they help push you out of your weakness. When you are weak, they help pull you out of the struggle. When you are weak, they remind you of who you are in Christ Jesus. When you are weak, they tell you, let's go to church. When you are weak, they tell you, we got us conference this weekend. You need to come with me. You need a circle around you that will remind you that you are a child of God when all you feel like is a subject to your problem says that the locusts together they propel themselves and you thought you were being pulled back and God is saying no 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 I'm pulling you back to propel you forward 
you are taking steps backwards. And God is saying, no, 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 I'm preparing you for where you're headed. There's something we can learn about the locust. The locust takes time to draw back, to prepare for. The ant teaches us to prepare. The coney teaches us to posture. The locust teaches us to propel. And then the fourth one is the lizard. The lizard teaches us to let it go. says that the lizard can be easily caught. I stay in Florida and there are lizards all over the place. I see more lizards than not with the tail that's a different color than the rest of his body. A little nub back there. But that little nub has a story. The only reason the lizard is still alive is because it was willing to let go of its tail. But what I believe God is asking us to do in this particular passage of Scripture in Proverbs is are you willing to let go of some of the things that are holding you back? Because what you're willing to leave behind will determine what you're willing to walk into. lizard's willing to let go of whatever it is that may have kept it trapped. But the fascinating thing about the lizard is it's cold-blooded by nature, which means it can't regulate its own body temperature, which means in order for the lizard to survive, it has to be exposed to the sun. In order for the lizard to make it from one season of life to the next season of life, it has to be exposed to the sun. In order for you to make it in this life, you have to continually expose yourself to the Son of God. And his name is Jesus. And if you can expose yourself to the Son of God, through the Word of God, through the voice of God, through the Spirit of God, he says, not only will I give you enough strength to make it today, but when you get to your tomorrow, I'll give you enough strength to make it then because I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. I'm going to teach you how to prepare yourself. I'm going to teach you how to posture yourself. I'm going to teach you how to prepare yourself. And I'm going to teach you how to produce yourself. See, this is a city that's always looking for producers. I'm looking for somebody to produce me. Oh, what do you do? I do music. Well, what do you need? I'm looking for a producer. Well, what do you do? I desire to make film. Well, what are you looking for? I'm looking for producers. And we're constantly looking for someone else to produce us. And God is asking, do you have the wisdom to produce yourself? Because everything you need, I've placed on the inside of you. Everything that the lizard need is already on the inside of him. And guess what? When he's caught in a bind, he lets go of the past and he reproduces another tail. And when he loses an arm, he lets it go and he reproduces himself. And I'm asking you this question. Do you have the know-how to reproduce the gift of God in you when you find yourself weak and when you find yourself weighed down by life? Can you produce Produce what it is that God has placed on the inside of you. 
waiting on other people to do what God created you to do. Your mindset has to be, if no one opens the door for me, I'm going to praise God in the hallway. If no one gives me the opportunity, I'm going to make an opportunity. I'm not waiting for the possibility to happen. I'm going to create the possibility for it to happen. Can you produce the gift of God in you and make things happen that other people can't make happen for yourself? There's nobody that's going to believe in you the way God believes in you. And if God qualifies you, they don't have to like it. If God qualifies you, they don't got to open the door for you. If God qualifies you, they don't even have to approve of you. You have to know who it is that God has made you and you have to get in the way of what it is that God desires for you to get in the way of and say, you know what, God? I know I may look crazy. But I'm a firm believer that every miracle that Jesus performed looked crazy to the outward. Can you imagine a limb growing back in front of people? That looked crazy. Can you imagine a blind person getting sight for the first time? That is crazy. Can you imagine a deaf person hearing for the first time? That is crazy. Nothing that Jesus desires to do in your life will be acknowledged and liked by your logic. See, logic produces order, but faith produces miracles. And we got enough logic. It's time for us to say, God, I'm willing to stir up the gift of God on the inside of me. I'm in a season, God, where I'm waiting and I'm I'm patiently waiting on what it is that you placed in me to be produced in this season. And so, God, I'm going to put my faith on it and believe that my best is still yet to come. And if you hear nothing else from me, I came to just prophesy over you that the rest of your life, will be the best of your life. You have not lived your greatest days. Your greatest days are still in front of you and you're in a season where God is preparing you. You're in a season where God is posturing you. You're in a season where God is propelling you and you're in a season where God is producing the best life for you that you could ever think of or imagine. And if you're saying today, God, I need you. I need you. And I need you to help me to let some things go. Come on, I just want you to throw those hands up right now. I see all those hands. You know, you can't take into your new season the bricks from your old season. You got to let it go. Because God's preparing you. posturing you. God is propelling you. And God is about to show you the greatest production you've ever seen in your life. And so God, I pray for each and every one of us that has our hands raised right now. Father, we don't want to hold on to the hurt. We don't want to hold on to the disappointment. We don't want to hold on to the, to the letdowns. God, we want to let it go. Father, we release that season. We release that person. We release that job. We release that family member, God, that hurt us. We want to let it go. God, we've decided 
that we will no longer enter into a new season with an old mindset. Create in us a new heart so that we could be who you've called us to be. We ask God that we would experience more of you Come on, put those hands together. Bless the name of Jesus.